when you are committed, you know, Gandhi said, right, be the change you wish to see. Once you get that, you want to make a change from the way your mother or father treated you mm -hmm. or your auntie or uncle or whatever way that you got to do some serious digging in the dirt. There mm -hmm. is no other way. You have to uncover what is true. Welcome to Everything is Spiritual, a podcast from Soul Care Urban Retreat Center. We're talking with local folks, faith leaders, creatives, thinkers, and community advocates, getting personal about their faith and spirituality and how it shows up in their daily life and work. I'm Kelly Skinner, your host, and I'm sharing these heart-centered conversations to invite you to become more aware that everything is spiritual and to deeply connect with what is most true and alive in your own everyday life. Deborah Joy Hart is the spiritual administrator and part-time minister at Unity Church and Spiritual Center in Urbana, Illinois. I'm so grateful to call her my friend as well as a neighbor, and she's a partner and supporter of Soul Care. Humor, Grace, and Grief. That's the name of a weekly online live chat that our guest today co-hosts. But these three words are as good as any to describe Deborah Joy. This lady has more than 30 years of hands-on nursing and teaching experience. She mixes those up together with her skills as a joyologist, a student of death and dying, a clown, and a minister as an award-winning national speaker weaving humor, laughter, science, and silliness into her appearances. Deb is a wife, a mom, and a grandma, affectionately known as Bubby. Inspired by her grandkids, she's authored a children's book, Grandma D's Bubbles, A Lesson in Life and Loss. We're talking about the feeling of connecting with the human and divine in each of us, the importance of mindset and how to overcome when we feel like our truth has been denied, and about the tension between joy and sadness that shows up in all parts of our lives. So let's dive in. Well, I just turned 65. So this is like really exciting, you know, and I've been doing a lot of looking back. So because this podcast is all about, you know, everything is spiritual. I just want to say that, in fact, I have spoken to God or something since I can remember, like three, two and so, I mean, that's pretty unusual that kids remember that. And I wasn't Sunday school based. I grew up Jewish and very culturally Jewish rather than the religious portions. And I always had a conversation with God. That's why I like those books that came out in the, was it the 80s or 90s conversations with God? Because I've always had one. And I have been with, studied, looked at, hung out with a lot of different religious groups. But I started off with, at age seven, going to a Christian church. And I'm like, mom, they all speak English. And they talk <laughs> about love and they're happy. 
And then I moved on. I went to Catholic church for 18 months. I hung out with charismatic speaking in tongues people. I just wanted to experience it all. And it was like a different language. So I'm what you need in the moment. I can't take the Jewish culture out of me, but here I sit today believing just in the power of love. And I don't mean it's agape love. Jesus made it simple. And I like to make it simple for everyone else. Forget all the rules in the Old Testament. Can you just follow two? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, or mind, or whatever translation, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, you don't love your neighbor. So my other 65-year-old friend and I were talking, charity begins at home. Mm-hmm. So what would you say was a pivotal experience for you that kind of shaped your current beliefs? Probably uh, three things. After I was separated, we hadn't been divorced yet, and our daughter was two, I had no money, and I moved into a communal home. It was the first time I was ever separated from my daughter, and I said, God, I have believed in you from the very beginning. I quit believing in you. This is not the life I thought I could have. And so I decided I wasn't even going to be angry at God. Angry, you still have a relationship, right? I didn't want a relationship. So I said, I'm done. I don't know exactly how many months it was. I'm thinking about three and I'm sitting on the steps of the graduate library, and I'm looking north on Wright Street. I remember exactly where I was. And for some reason, I thought about God again. And I said, if I was to believe in God, what would that be? If I was to have a conversation, what would that look like? I I already knew through history, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel, right? God already exists, so I don't have to invent God. I said, I think I'm ready to step back into a relationship with God. All of a sudden, my physical brain and eyesight changed. It was bizarre. All of a sudden, the colors went from looking flat to brightened. I can't explain it any other way. It's like something twisted in my brain. And neuroscience shows us that we do have like a God part of our brain. That was a game changer for me. I don't think I had started going to Unity yet. Unity Church and Spiritual Center, it's also known as practical Christianity. How do you use them outside of Sunday? Now there's Jesus's words, but how do you really, this is in the 80s, how do you how do you really do that? I had already met Harold and Jeannie. So I was already sort of uh, tuned into what I call practical Christianity. You can literally work on not necessarily curing people, but energy can heal people, whatever the next level of wholeness is. 
And I talked to God about that because I was a hands-on healer. That's what I did. And so unity is pretty much where I landed as a community. And uh, the food bank brought me, right? And then I made this agreement with God. If you give me a car, I'll help feed others and help out. And I did. Those are probably pivotal moments. Hmm. That's beautiful. I really like the idea that I think a lot of people maybe consciously or unconsciously take a break from God. And I like the idea of making the decision to be over that break and to welcome God back in and then God affirming that commitment. Oh, yeah. I made a decision before it was just always you and God. That's the way the world works. But I got to consciously choose to be in a relationship with God again. It was really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you talked a little bit about Unity Church. I don't know that all of our listeners are completely familiar with that denomination. And so can you tell us a little bit more about it? And like, what are some of the core principles and beliefs of Unity? Unity was started by Charles and Myrtle Fillmore. There was a homeopathic physician, female, named Emily Cady. And she contributed a lot to unity. First and foremost, there is only one presence in the world, God, the good, omnipotent. And so when you make that as the first tenant, there you go. And everyone has the power to draw from that source. Everyone. Another tenant of unity talks about the practical applications and the use of your mind. You can change your circumstances with your mind. This isn't like psychic woo-woo stuff. You go to source. I and the Father are one. God, the good, omnipotent. There's something else about unity. This is way before positive psychology, which I've sort of stepped aside from right now, but there's affirmative prayer and denials. Affirmative is what would you like to see in your life? And you can get it. In the book of Illusions by uh, Richard Bach, It's called The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. One of the quotes that always stuck with me was, argue for your limitations and they shall be yours. And unity says, quit arguing for your limitations. It's an abundant universe. So I have learned to do that. And when they call denials, I love this denial. And I did not learn this from unity, but it was a woman I worked with, an African-American woman who always would say, Satan, get thee behind me. And so we are responsible when things are entering into your head, worry, self-doubt, all those, 
we need to uncover what's really going on and crack that open so the God can shine out and shine in. And that's what I really appreciate. I mean, truly, the first spiritual book, besides Illusions, that really got me thinking was the red letter edition of the Bible. I only read what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't know what else to say about that. It's, it says it all. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I love about you, Kelly, is you introduce me to more community and social issues. I love hearing you speak because it activates that. How can I love myself more? Because I know I can't love, you know, people of color more until I love myself more. And that means, okay, let's look at the basics. You were raised in Chicago and Skokie. You have your set of biases. So does bias help me love myself anymore? Because you know, I can't, I can't understand somebody else until I understand me. Well, and I think it's all connected. I, I think when you were talking about the abundant prayers and the denial prayers, I think another word for that could be limiting beliefs. And so if you have these biases against yourself and whether it's, um, I, I, I can't do math. I'm not good with money. I'm too fat. I'm, uh, I can never have a partner. Um, I'm not a good mom. I mean, those are all limiting beliefs and those are denial prayers. And so, I mean, I think in a very spiritual way, it's always good to change your mindset and to connect with the good things that God wants for each of us so that we can be whole. And I think that that shows up, I think, in lots of different denominations under lots of different words, but the truth is there. You know, when you look at or study all religions, Unfortunately, we follow more of the commentary than what was actually said by whoever started that, right? And I, for me, I have had to learn, go to the source, and that source learning to trust myself over the years that my perception were all gaslit in religion, right? My, my newest thing, <laughs> I'm laughing. My husband and I had a very emotional two days uh, because of some family stuff. And I was in total chaos and turmoil. But we were also fortunate enough to be out in the woods. And it wasn't so much the woods, it was these gorges made by water. And so it was cooler down there, shaded by all the branches and all the flora, right? And it was beautiful. And the term forest bathing, and I just let that for a split second come over me. And then, you know, I'm a grief coach, and I talk a lot about forgiveness, 
Have you ever had a husband die before? Some people have. However, but you never had this husband die before. So you forgive yourself for whatever. And I felt a freedom when I forgave myself, if only for a second. And I said, what just happened? Because that second felt vast. That freedom mm. felt vast. Well, it went away really fast because I went back to feeling, you know, icky. And then it happened again. And when it happened again, you know, I never really, the word isn't understood. I never connected with Jesus died for your sins. All of a sudden, it was more like Jesus forgave you. So I felt like just for a moment, there is freedom in forgiveness. Forgiveness, mm. there is vastness. And then you should hear me, you know, whether my history remembering is correct or not. People, people in charge of religion did not like when people felt freedom. So they said, Remember, Jesus died for your sins. And I'm like laughing. Are you kidding me? This is not what Jesus meant. Mm -hmm. We are to feel free and unlimited. There are no chains to bind us, as the song goes. And that is love of seeing somebody who is bound with the chains of their own choices, their own decisions to be kept in fear or anxiety or smallness. And I really like what you said earlier about being, being gaslit by these institutions and by things that you grew up. So sometimes we're not even aware that we're in a cage of our own making. And we also hold the key to that cage by just choosing to think differently. You know, I don't usually say this on broadcast, but I will. That the home I grew up in and my childhood until age 14 was filled with emotional abuse, physical abuse, and sexual abuse. And it was many, many years later because I thought I had put that all into a compartment. I'm watching Oprah Winfrey with a client, right? I, she had Alzheimer's, but she liked TV. So we were watching that. And Oprah had on a guest. I don't have to go into the details of that. It just took everything inside of me and whipped it around. The people whose mother I was taking care of, both were therapists. So I pulled one aside and she got me started going to therapy at age 28, 29. And I could see things eventually different about myself. I could, which I think, Therapy can deepen your spiritual practice once you are forgiven inside or it gives you tools for dealing on the outside. It deepens your heart mm. to who you really are. 
And Mm -hmm. I am a child of God. I do not inherit and, you know, (laughs) fill in the blank. And that is something Myrtle Fillmore said all the time. I am a child of God. I do not inherit. She used sickness. I do not inherit gaslighting. I do not. That's your denial, the do not. And then I have to realize, I mean, epigenetics is a new thing, right? That they're finally realizing you are coded in your DNA for the sins of the father. Okay. Mm -hmm. Past trauma. Past trauma from, Mm -hmm. you know, I probably inherited the fear of lack of, of food or things or whatever. Look at my grandparents were escaping pogroms in Poland, you know, who knows before that, my great grandparents Mm -hmm. coming over from Egypt or wherever. Everybody's Mm -hmm. coming to America in the early 1900s, United States, uh, and also the other Americas. They escaped to South America. They escaped Mm -hmm. to wherever. And so I probably have some of that. So, Mm -hmm. so uh, by the time it hits my generation, I want that healed. Can I cure everything? No. So now it's a process of not becoming, but actually unbecoming mm-hmm. and uncluttering my heart so that only two things are in there or the mm-hmm. minimum. I am a child of God. I don't inherit blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're talking about using therapy, using spirituality, using mindset shifts to really clear out the space inside of you so that you're not blocking you and God being one. And isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. This is not rocket science. Now, I will tell you one of my therapists, I'm on my third one now because eventually they retire or I must tire them out. No, I'm just kidding. And so, <laughs> Or you have different needs. Yeah. I, yeah. So one of the therapists, I said, I know with my entire being, if I heal this, whatever this was, it will eke out to my dead mother and to my alive daughter. And she goes, she she pauses. <laughs> she goes, can we just focus on you for right now? <laughs> and I go, this is about focus on me. I am doing mm-hmm. this. When you feel that committed to, you know, you need to be loved. Like Daniel Guerrero. I mean, <laughs> I have a girl crush on him. I mean, his spirituality, (laughs) I might not have the same theology, but dang, Uh where his heart is at, I just love it. And many of the people Uh you have on your podcast, I'm like, oh, you know, so. (laughs) They're all cool. They are all cool. Well, your vibe attracts the tribe. So I'm saying when you are committed you know, Gandhi said, right, be the change you wish to see. Once you get that, you want to make a change from the way your mother or father 
treated you mm-hmm. or your auntie or uncle or whatever way, then you got to do some serious digging in the dirt. There mm-hmm. is no other way. You have to uncover what is true. God, that's how I describe my truth. Love is my truth. Now, mm-hmm. I would like to say love is this person's truth and that person's truth. Even political people I don't agree with. Love is their truth. And then the next thought might be, well, why can't they just, which is a shaming thing, right? Mm -hmm. Who am I to shame them? So Mm -hmm. do you hang out with a bunch of atoms you're not attracted to? Or do you like hang out with atoms? Do you let your natural energy speak for you and move toward what you're attracted to? And that's the truth as I know it. And you know what? In every religion, every religion, whether it's Wiccan, whether it's pagan, which are different, whether it's a Lutheran, a Catholic, a Muslim, Baha'i, name your title of belief systems because that's what they are. It's like the 12 tribes of Israel. They still all had a common goal, Mm -hmm. whatever language they used. So if you Mm -hmm. can get past the language, we were with another unity person in a Methodist church one year for Christmas, right? And Daryl's kids grew up Methodist. So we would go there Christmas Eve, right? And yeah, they, they sing, uh, Jesus is king or Lord is king. And the other person from unity turns around and go, oh, I can't stand when they use that word. Hmm. Why are we so, uh, words will trigger us because they remind us of things we want to let go of. And we haven't made that transition that pay attention to the energy of the word. Mm-hmm. And forgive whomever or whatever that has those words that trigger you. Forgive yourself. And Mm -hmm. so I have an eclectic theology. (laughs) That's the best way to say it. I think that's awesome. And uh, to what you were saying, I think that um, one of the gifts that I've been given Um, is the ability to almost view some of these things as different languages. And so when you hear something in a, in a faith tradition, in a song, in a belief, in a ritual, in a, in a scripture that doesn't resonate with how you believe in, I think you can, again, use your mind, use your heart and translate that for yourself into something that is going to resonate for you. And I'm always reminded of a quote that Richard Rohr said that um, says, when you look at your own belief system, your own religion, your own set of, of where you're at, if you dig down deep into that enough, you will find the river that runs through all of them. Exactly. Here was a humorous moment. Uh, a friend of mine, his parents, this was back in the, 90s or early 2000, where his parents came from Syria 
and they were here and his mom especially only spoke Arabic. Okay. They were Muslim. And after they taught me, please and thank you, Afwan Shukwan, that I really don't know anything else. But she and I just sort of got into a conversation. And the conversation, she spoke only in Arabic, and I spoke only in English. And her son, my friend, and his dad said, how did the two of you do that? You, Deb, answered correctly in English to something she was saying in Arabic, and she would answer you in Arabic to something you were saying in English. How did you do that? And then they said that to her in Arabic. And both of us knew, us two women knew that, in fact, we spoke with our hearts and we read mm. each other. And here's another example. So I showed up earlier that day or another day, and I wanted to take them out in the country. It was August here in East Central Illinois. Truly, that's a sucky time to be out. <laughs> it's humid. It's super hot. You just like, I don't even have that much hair and it frizzed up, right? So I showed up in Birkenstocks, a pair of shorts, and a tank top, right? His mother is Muslim. Oh, the whole mm -hmm. regalia covered up head to toe. The dad, they always get to wear these pajama things. So it was light and airy. But you know, the minute you cover your head, Kelly, mm -hmm. all bets are it's off. Over. It is summertime mm -hmm. in your body. So mm -hmm. she sees me and I see her. And she says something to her son who translates. And they start laughing. And I said, okay, what's so funny? And he was hesitant. But knowing me, he took a chance. He says, my mom says you're going to hell, but she feels like hell. You know, <laughs> what a perfect thing. And I busted up, you know. First of all, Jews don't really believe in hell. So I am totally off the hook when someone says that. But, you know, I just laughed with my heart. And that humor, the ability to laugh at yourself in a religious context, which may or may not be PC, especially now. Mm -hmm. When people see that you can do a type of self-deprecating humor, it really hooks into your admitting fallibility. It's like your humanity and your divinity. We're all human and divine. Now, I totally <laughs> laughed at something on the internet. Some guy was smoking a cigar and someone says, well, I don't think Jesus did that. I'm like, who knows? He could have been, he could have been smoking fig leaves for all I know. So I'm, I'm laughing, but. He turned water into wine. So uh, come on. Seriously. And with human beings, sometimes it's really difficult for me to say, yes, they're human and divine. I'll give you an example. One morning I woke up, there is one person still alive on earth that I am nothing but an anxious basket case around them. Okay. 
And granted, this person made things very difficult in a lot of reasons. I woke up one morning. It's almost like I, I heard this voice inside my head, like casually say, you know, in a previous lifetime, they were your best friend. And I went, what? Right? Because mm -hmm. we all have these ideas about people. And we constantly focus on the humanity, which actually drives us nuts. Look at, I take my meds every day. I am grateful. I know one of your questions was, what practice do you have? And I'll get to that. I am grateful every single day. And I say, thank you, God, in advance for fill in the blank. But when I focus only on that person's humanity, my anxiety is off the roof. But when mm -hmm. I focus on both of our humanity, our divinities, and mm -hmm. recognizing, Deb, this is not representing God in the way you would like to. I'm not shaming, but I'm mm -hmm. sort of saying yeah. it honestly. You yeah, know? you're you're saying to yourself that you need to see the God in them. You need to see that they are the a beloved child of God. And that's something that I, I love that you brought this up because it's something that I am very passionate about as well in that we're not the sum of the worst parts of ourselves. And we're not singularly just those parts. When we make bad choices, when we hurt people, when we do harmful things, when we're not nice people, that's not the sum there's no one that's 100% evil. There's no one that's 100% bad because we all have that spark of God in us is what you're saying. And we have an opportunity to see the divine and the human in, in each one of us. So sort of in a spiritual way, I say to people now, I will never just be positive with you. And I don't aim to be a positive person. That is not in my, I aim to be present. Mm. And in that presence, I am the best version of myself. What would that look like if I said, I know you don't feel well emotionally, just do the best you can in the moment. So I do want to touch a little bit. You embody such a neat package of things. And you talk constantly about two things that on the surface seem so opposed and opposite to one another. And you, you hold that tension so well. And so on one side, you talk about joy and humor and laughter and silliness. And on the other side, you talk about death and grief and bereavement and serious terminal illness. You know, talk about living in that tension. You know, I have a tattoo, right? And there's a heart with rainbow wings. The sun is in the heart. There is a, a Groucho Marx face, you know, fake nose and glasses inside the sun. On the round part of each part is joy and hope. 
And then right at the center where it dips, where the round parts come together, there is a Jewish letter. It's the 18th letter of the alphabet, and it is Chai, and it is life. Life is not just about clean things. Life is not just about only seeing joy. Life is a balance. And on either side, you're either going from, I feel joyful, to I hope I feel joyful again. And that is life. Everybody's happy. You know, I'll just use the word Jody. Jody was born. Look at Jody. What a beautiful child. Then down the road, Jody becomes a teenager. A sane mother might say, why didn't I eat my young? And then, <laughs> so you have that. And then Jody graduates. Oh, I'm so happy you made it. And then Jody's living at home, draining the family resources. And then Jody gets a job. And then Jody is in and out of 10 bad relationships. Ah, then Jody's in her 30s and she finds this person that balances her and gives her joy and they have some arguments and you're so happy. And then Jody gets leukemia and now you're sad. Jody survives leukemia. You're happy. Jody does not survive leukemia. She's dead. So we're constantly, whether we admit it or not, going from this and that. And it serves me best by looking at the hard things. Because I, in order to heal and be closer to God, I had a look at those hard things. You know, when I, when I do readings or I'm talking, people often say, how did you make me cry and laugh in the same sentence? And because at either one of those points, I'm seeing the sacred is sacred. My sister-in-law is, they call him a, a birther, community birther or whatever, midwife. And she teaches and she's traveled all over the world, welcoming babies from so many countries and teaching others how to do that. I'm the opposite. I mm. welcome them into the uh, afterlife. I am a birther of your mortal soul. I am a midwife to deathing. And mm -hmm. I, I, that makes sense to me. Other people say, how mm -hmm. can you do that? Because when you're constantly around the sacred, you feel closer to God. Who doesn't want to feel closer to God or feel closer to the goddess or feel closer to their heart or what better feeling in the world is you know you're exactly where you need to be in the moment yeah that's how i do it mm -hmm. yeah they're kind of two sides of the same emotion right like happy and sad that's what you were talking about you can't be sad unless you're happy and you can't be happy unless you're sad you you can be happy in the sadness Oh my, yeah. grateful. Maybe happy isn't the word. Grateful is the word. So um, this has just been such a great conversation. And my my soul is singing right now. Um, 
I always close with my guests um, with some rapid fire questions um, just to get a little bit of a, a little bit more of a sense of who you are. Um, so are you open to that? Sure. All right. So what's something that people get wrong about you? Uh, consistently, because they see I'm a clown, I do humor, I do this, I do that. <gasps> you must have had the best childhood. <laughs> your, your parents must have been just amazing. Yeah, they were amazingly ignorant and gave me the gift of going, figuring out I needed to go to therapy. And that doesn't mean I don't love my parents. My parents are both dead, but that didn't mean I didn't love them while they were alive because in life you have both. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, that's a big one. Huh. What is your favorite or most meaningful spiritual practice right now? Ah, so I, I still create them and, and give them out as gifts. I, heard this story a long time ago. So I riffed, as they say, in uh, humor or music, I sort of took off with that idea. And I have uh, gratitude cups. And it's based off a, uh, a Zen story. So basically, you have the cup open in the morning. And then you turn it over at night cup is represents your heart and you turn it over. But I this is what I have done. Every morning, and sometimes I don't even turn it over. I just tap it. I make sure I say, thank you, God. And there's in advance for, you know, some days I need focus. I'm starting off the day. Thank you, God, in advance for focus. Thank you, God, in advance for the words I need for other people. Thank you, God, for joy. I might not be feeling any of that at the moment, but I have set that intention. And by the act of turning it up from the evening, I have opened my heart. And then at night, you turn it over and I say, thank you, God, for another day. That's my most meaningful practice. Where do you see the divine as most alive for you in this season? You know, the divine is most alive, I think in my expression to others of the gratitude for, and then there's a specific thing. I, I, I just wrote one of my non-bio daughters, uh, thank you for giving me a party for my birth and celebrating me. That, and I listed several reasons why that meant so much to me. Hmm. So showing gratitude, speaking gratitude. Speaking gratitude. What's one thing in your life that might seem very ordinary, but is sacred for you? Being included in people's memories that they take with them when they're dying. What are you, and you, you kind of alluded to this already, but what are you deeply grateful for right now? Time on this earth those quiet moments with people and laughter, the ability to hear or see people laughing, to feel laughter. So name, what's one book that you would recommend for our audience? First of all, it spoke to me and I had read 
Meister Eckhart, the Bible, this and that. But when I read Illusions by Richard Bach, Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah, that meant everything to me. But another book that really talks about strength of the mind, body, and spirit is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Mm -hmm. To be in the depths of a concentration camp, to walk, it's not like you can call in sick. You walk or you die. I mean, that was it. And for his... I mean, he created logotherapy and to see in advance whether it comes true or not, he had no way of knowing, but to see yourself outside a situation, to see yourself at peace. And even more so than seeing, because people say you need to visualize, I say feel that peace what would that peace feel like to you and that's why i say i'm present i'm not always positive mm -hmm. i i feel which not everybody's a feeling person i get it so to see to imagine to put aside preconceived ideas to thank God in advance for what may happen. Um, so how can people connect with you? How can they find you out in the world? I know I gave you my website. They can connect with me there. I think my phone number is on the website. I think they can connect with me there. Uh, they can contact Unity Church and Spiritual Center in Urbana, Illinois. Uh, you can <laughs> find me on Facebook. You can find, and when I say Unity Church and Spiritual Center, it's not the word and, it's an ampersand. And so. And um, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. We'll put a link to that. Yeah. yeah. And so my website gets updated pretty much yearly. So I have some things to add to that. And do you have any um, upcoming projects that uh, you want to share? Yeah. Yeah. Things that you're involved in right now. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm going to be speaking next month. The first, I think it's the first Saturday. What's it called? Tickle my heart. The uh -huh, intersection yeah. of humor and spirituality. So that's mm -hmm. going to be through soul care. So that's number one. But also a place in Danville, uh, I will be teaching one of my loves is talking about the energy that we are and how can we best use it. And so I teach about energy, uh, the energy that is all around us as far as uh, a healing modality. And then another thing I do is I do what's called energy art readings. And that will also be in Danville. And, you know, I can send you that information, Kelly. It's also on my uh, Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I, you do that, you're doing that in Danville, and you do that in Decatur. I do that at in the Decatur. Decatur and I do it 
also and you do it at soul care i yes. love i love talking about those things and i have a um it's not a podcast it's every friday with a uh grief therapist grief and dementia therapist um and i'm known as a grief coach and so at 12 noon i might i at humor grief and grace and with Jill Johnson Young and Deborah Joy Hart, we have a half hour call in or write in, mostly write in. We talk about all things connected with grief. So right. I have a bunch of bunch of stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes. Keeps well, me out of jail. Uh, right? That's true. I don't get keeps arrested and keeps me busy. <laughs> Well, thank you, Deb. Uh, it's been a great conversation and we, I appreciate all your insight and for making me laugh. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful for all the opportunities you give me and others to ignite possibly a new way of thinking that is healthy for others mm. and a new way of being. So you give people that time to pull in and be in their hearts. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Everything is Spiritual and taking time to nourish your soul. Tune in each week for a little community and a lot of conversation or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. For more resources around spiritual exploration, restoration, and transformation, be sure to sign up on our mailing list at experiencesoulcare.com. Visit our website for information on retreats, workshops, and services from our partners. Or better yet, come visit our welcoming space in Urbana to say hi and get a steaming cup of tea. Soul Care Urban Retreat Center is a warm, welcoming, and accessible place for you to refresh, renew, and restore your mind, body, heart, and soul. We set a great big table and everyone is welcome. Until next week, be well.